Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want to invite you to turn with me to a text that has uh, tickled, teased, taunted, and tantalized me as I thought about preparing for you, prayed about sharing with you this evening. So would you stand and open the word of God with me to Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 16. I want to read that in the New King James Version. So let's uh, look at this. It says... Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Mm-hmm. Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he said to them. And they prepared the Passover. I like it. Amen. Yes, I want to preach around the theme, the significance of insignificance. All right. All right. I've decided there are two classes of people that we meet, two classes of people in the world. Those who think too much of themselves. <laughs> and then there are those who think too little of themselves. While I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a uh, contra music fan, <laughs> I have to tell you, I am very appreciative of the Keep It Real lyrics and titles of this particular musical genre. I don't listen to a lot of them, but when I do listen, I I appreciate how they just keep it real. And and in keeping it real, they they help us not to take ourselves too seriously. Titles like, uh, I can't miss you if you won't go away. One song I heard was, I keep forgetting I forgot about you. <laughs> and I love this one. Thank God ain't Greyhound, she's gone. <laughs> and if you need me, can I come too? The man carrying the pitcher of water in the steps. He could very well be the raw material, the inspiration for a country music song. I thought about a possible title, 
If you see me with her water pot, I ain't packing. <laughs> but on a serious note, Jesus' earthly ministry was ending. And his arrest, trial, and crucifixion loomed like a threatening dark cloud on the horizon. Jesus sends two disciples. In fact, Luke's account seemed to indicate that it was Peter and John that Jesus sent, but he sent two of his disciples into the city and tell them to look for a man carrying a water bottle. Now, if you know anything about the culture of this biblical era, it would be unlikely because men normally did not carry water bottles. Right, right. But this is whom the Lord told the disciples to look for. A man carrying a water. This unlikely, unknown, unheralded, perhaps unappreciated man would lead them to the place where Jesus would observe the Passover with his disciples. The place where he would institute the Lord's Supper. And the place where he would introduce for them the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when we meet this man in the text, in the grand scheme of things, what I want you all to see tonight is he was insignificant. And yet, this man's life became singularly significant, fused with dignity, purpose, and meaning because the text tells us, I'm not making it up, the text tells us that Jesus knew him. And there are three movements in our text, and I want to share them with you. First of all, Jesus knew where this man was. He knew where he was. He told his disciples, he says, go ye into the city. Go into the city of Jerusalem. He didn't send them into some outlying area or village. He didn't send them up to the mountains or to the sea coast. But because he knew where this man lived, he knew where he was, he sent them into the city. Apostle Paul may have had this man in mind when it was reported of him saying to the Athenians at Mars Hill, God is so intimately aware and present with us that in him, in him, in God, we live and we move. And we have. How very be. Jesus walking through the garden in the cool of the day asked Adam the question, Where art thou? That was not a question for information. It was a rhetorical question because God always knows. I wish you had somebody. Here. God always knows what your address is. Right, right. He did not lose Adam in the garden, but Adam had lost his way. In fact, sometimes the way I like to think about it is that Adam had moved and failed to contact the postmaster. And he wasn't getting his spiritual mail on time. God knows where we are. He knew where this man in our text was. You know, I have shared with many an anxious 
many an anxious and restless young preacher or pastor looking for larger fields, greener pastors, greater opportunity, and I always have to remind them, just be faithful, because God knows where you are. You don't have to go looking. He can find you. He found Moses on the backside of the desert and spoke to him from a bush that burned but did not consume. He found Elijah sleeping under a juniper tree, fleeing from the death threats of a wicked and evil queen, and yet he spoke to him in a still small voice. He found Amos herding sheep and gathering sycamore fruit and sent him to be a prophet to apostate Israel. He found Saul, who would become Paul, the former persecutor of the church, blind and broken in a house on Straight Street in Damascus and told him he would be an apostle to the Gentiles. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he can find you and me. Wherever you are tonight. And don't, don't limit this to your physical address. But we all have a spiritual and an emotional address. We come here and there's stuff. There's stuff going on in our lives. But whatever it is, you may not, you may not be able to utter it to anyone else, but God knows where you are. Do we have a witness in here? He knows where we live at. Jesus knows where we are. Maybe this is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about when he says, we have a great high priest. Yes, sir. Who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was at all points. <laughs> he was at all points tempted like as we are. He knows what we're going through. This verse is the Christological version of been there, done that. And that's why I love hearing it. I heard it saying here in Clay Street when I was a young preacher, I came to Jesus as I was. Weary, weary worn and sad, but I found in him. I found in him a resting place. And that has made me glad. The significance of insignificance, Jesus knew where he was. Here's the second point. Jesus knew who he was. I'm not making it up. The text says a man, he told the disciples, a man, he was specific about the gender. He said a man will meet you and this will be the distinction. He ain't going to be wearing a tux. He's not going to be riding the camera. <laughs> oh no. He will be carrying a pitcher of water. As I said before, in ancient Israel, it was very rare to see a man carrying a pitcher of water, a water pot. This was normally what was women's work in that culture. And given the fact that it's Passover and Jerusalem is teeming with thousands of pilgrims from the region, and the empire. The possibility of seeing a man carrying a pot of water would have been shrouded in the dense traffic that had come upon the city. 
because the disciples had reached the inquiry about where they would observe the Passover with the Lord, the clarity, y'all hear me tonight, the clarity and specificity of Jesus' response demonstrates his infinite knowledge of who this man was. Even in the crowded city at this season of the year, this man could not escape his omniscient eye. It was my wife's first Sunday as a children's ministry volunteer in the church that we are now part of in St. Louis. And there she was, she has the kindergarten group, there she was greeting and registering the kindergarten students as they came into the room. And our five-year-old grandson, one of my son's sons, our five-year-old grandson, he entered the room and, and he mischievously covered his name tag. <laughs> he put his hand over his name tag because he didn't want his nana to see his name tag. And she looked at him as he smiled. She called his name and said, Nana knows you. <laughs> Nana knows you, even without a name tag. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad tonight. I serve a God that knows me, even without a name tag. He don't need a driver's license. He don't need a social security card. Because the psalmist affirmed that he said, You search me and you know me, you know my down sitting, and you know my uprising, and you know my thoughts of all. And you can discern all of my ways. And I love when he gets to the point in the seventeenth stanza, he says, How precious are your thoughts to me? If I could count them, they're more than the grains of sand on an ocean shore. Lord knows me, and He thinks about me more than I think about myself. That's right. So He knew this man. He knew where He was. He told the disciples, He said, Go into the city. And there's a man there. And He knew who He was because this man would be carrying a bottle of water. But there's one other thing in the text. Not only did he know where he was and who he was, but he knew why he was. Without even knowing, this man's life was transformed by a divine directive. See, God's working with us and working out his perfect plan with us. And for us, even sometimes, when we're not aware of it, we're going about doing what we do. But God is working in the background. And if we just keep holding on to him, what he's doing in the background, 
will move into the foreground of our lives. Carrying water in a water pot and unlikely, perhaps even unwanted and menial tasks became for this man a divine deputation. A servile, servile situation became a sacred psalms. The disciples were not told in any of the gospels. This is important to understand. They were not told in any of the gospel accounts of this to share their purpose of their identity with this man. They only were told that when you see this man with a water jar on his shoulder, just follow him wherever he goes. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can become absorbed with the average, muddled in the mediocre, crippled by the commonplace, prisoner to the predictable, hostage to the habitual, regimented by the routine, and occupied by the ordinary. But someone is following us. Even, you see, we all are evangelists. We all are witnesses of the Lord. The only real question is, are you a good one or a bad one? Because someone is looking at you. Someone is watching you wherever you go in. Wherever you go in. Oh, please, I love coming home. I remember when I preached my first sermon as an associate minister at Clay Street Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> we, we were on Clay Street at that time. And I'm all nervous. This is the first time I'm standing up at Clay Street preaching. I preached to the best of my ability. And after the service was over, Deacon Sam Beckley and he was a very unique person. He introduced our family to homemade rolls and corn pudding. We'd never heard of that until we got to Clay Street. But Deacon Becker came over to me and he said, son, when you were preaching, I wasn't really looking at you. I was looking at you, your wife, because if she wasn't watching it, if she was staring around in her pocketbook, there wouldn't be no reason for me to. There wouldn't be no reason for me to listen to you. That always stuck with me. But because Jesus knows why we are, our lives are significant. What I'm trying to get you to do tonight, we need to get to our classes is, I want you to add this vertical variable. This transcendent track to whatever you do, however small or insignificant you think it is, and the why of your existence, because you are here for a purpose. And every one of us is here. We're not a copy, but we are original. God made us an original. And when you get your mind off of 
what you're doing and just who you are in a horizontal sense and think about how God is working and moving in your life it will catapult you beyond the gravitational pull of small mindedness negativity and self absorption into the place where you know the Lord has a plan for your life. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. But as a young preacher, as a father and a husband, God placed me here at Clay Street Baptist Church. As I told you, when we joined, we were still at the old site. But during my four years here, and before I was called to my first church, my faith was strengthened. My family was fortified. And my ministry was enriched because some ordinary people, some ordinary people, some people that the world would look at and say they're just insignificant people. But some ordinary people had some extraordinary impact on my life. The children of God, I could watch and go in with them. Oh, if I close my eyes tonight, I can just see some of them here pocketing the pews. They're going on now to be with the Lord, but, but I can just hear them saying, keep on keeping on. I can just hear them saying, keep on keeping on. Keep on with the Lord and just follow me in because if it had not, do I have a witness? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? They tell me keep on going because the Lord will not just make a way somehow. The Lord will make a way anyhow. I heard somebody chime in and say, in this earthly house of this tabernacle of Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
they were less than three weeks. If God told on us, we all be in trouble, but he knows who we are, and he still loves us. He still loves us. Yes, he loves me. And he knows why. You may not know why, but God has left. You're still breathing tonight. Because God has not fulfilled the why in your life. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.